The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. Sun is shining. It was cloudy, a little overcast this morning, uh, but it is nice outside right now. Uh, so hope you're all doing well as we are middle of the week. Uh, a couple of more days before the weekend, we inch closer and closer to Christmas. So hope you're all doing well. Uh, finals week is in the heart of it. I've been talking with some people that I still know in, in school trying to finish up some finals and stuff and then the town will empty and it'll be nice you can drive from one side to the other in like five minutes it'll be really really nice looking forward uh, to everybody being able to go home and do their thing with their family and all that good stuff but hope you're all doing well Carter happy Wednesday brother how are you I'm doing great man I'm just uh kind of waiting for for some some real Auburn news to start breaking here I mean I guess we're getting small little pieces but yeah there's still transfer portal stuff that I feel like needs to take shape there's still a coaching staff that's not fully finished I just think that it's a it's a very interesting time here around Auburn yeah it seemed like we got an abundance of information an abundance of news like yes. a, a lot of news in a very short amount of time. And then over the last few days, it sort of slowed down a little bit, right? With especially with Auburn and the coaching staff, and we've seen guys enter the transfer portal a little bit. Uh, just it, it seems like one at a time, really. Uh, they just kind of enter their name, and again, it hasn't been anybody just jaw dropping that we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person entered the transfer portal. But we've seen guys enter the portal. Uh, we've seen some guys declare for the NFL draft. Uh, some big names from Auburn declare for the NFL draft. So there's been some news, but everybody, yeah, everybody's sort of just kind of sitting around and waiting until Hugh Freeze hires his coordinators, until they go out and start picking up some dudes out of the portal. Uh, we start hearing some news about recruiting uh, because of the early signing period coming up in a few weeks. So yeah, we're in that we're in that lull period right now, just sort of waiting on things to happen with Auburn. But lots going on and lots to happen in the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's going to be a lot of stuff um, taking place. I mean, we have we're just a couple weeks away from signing day. We are what? There's we're three days into the 40 de- 45 day portal period. I mean, there's all sorts of things that that are going to take place here over the next. Uh, month month and a half that uh will definitely be fun to talk about i mean the coaching carousel continues to spin and it's I don't think it's done by any stretch right now, and it's going to continue to uh be interesting speaking of that, did you see who Louisville hired today? Yes, I don't it, like it I mean it makes sense I, I like it for them I don't like it for him well i mean it there's there's some context there that that I mean, he's I, I always it. been associated with Louisville. I'm pretty sure he played at uh, he, Louisville. Yeah, it's his alma mater. Yeah. Um, but yes, I mean, he's always been associated with the job. What's interesting here, 
was this is the first time that we've seen some a a true comparison of okay big 2 power 2 job versus power power 5 job or of the other three conferences in the power 5 mm-hmm. big 10 versus acc and this time because i think the personal connections to louisville the fact that jeff brom played at louisville that won out and it was always rumored that if if Louisville was, was able to get rid of Scott Satterfield, Jeff Brom would be the guy because they never the the Scott Satterfield Louisville marriage was never happy. No, it was not. It you was had, ugly. You had Scott Satterfield always had one foot out the door. He was interviewing for, I think he interviewed for the South Carolina job, maybe the UNC job. I mean, he interviewed for all sorts of jobs in the Carolinas. I think that's close to home, and then Louisville got upset about it, and uh, he was always looking for a way out. They were always looking for a way to get rid of him, and he always just won enough. Barely. Just enough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, he they got stomped in their last game against uh, Kentucky, I believe, mm-hmm. and he's now at Cincinnati. Which I am not happy about. I, I, I'm a UC fan. I like Cincinnati. I, I, you know, Growing up in Ohio, Cincinnati is a really fun town. It's a really fun school. I had a lot of friends that either went to Cincinnati or still going to Cincinnati. So I, I'm always cheering for the Bearcats and hope they do well. Uh, losing Luke Fickle and then hiring Scott Satterfield, in my opinion, it's a major step back for Cincinnati. Uh, he also brought his defensive coordinator. So I just don't know how Cincinnati's going to be. I, you and I talked about that yesterday, and I don't know if we talked about it on the show, if we, if we talked about it uh, before the show or during a break. Who's going to call the defense for right. that team? Because there's so many unbelievable storylines about Cincinnati and Louisville right now because Cincinnati hired Louisville's coach, and the defensive coordinator left Louisville to go to Cincinnati. Well, in Fenway, at the Fenway Bowl this year, Louisville and Cincinnati play each other. Yeah. And I don't know who's going to call the defense for Louisville because the co-defensive coordinator is on staff at Auburn. Yeah. So who's calling the uh, defense? Dion Branch is the interim head coach. Now you've got Jeff Brom in the picture. It's just that game, a game that should not be interesting. It will now. Is extremely interesting all of a sudden. <laughs> also, how cool is it that they're playing the bowl game at Fenway Park? I think that's awesome. Well, they, they they've done the Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. game before. Yeah. They've they've played in Wrigley before, I believe. I think they've done it in Fenway uh, before. They've done it in I Fenway before. See, see, Fenway's just so interesting because, because it's so awkward. Yes. Yeah. The dimensions are so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we we we've obviously seen uh out in Oakland playing mm-hmm. on a baseball field. We've seen right. NFL games there all the time. Which and, was crazy. And that one makes a lot more sense because there's m- just acres of foul territory yeah. at that stadium. Yeah. And so that one makes sense. Have they played it? Have they played a game in the Trop? Or am I imagining that? I don't think so. I very well could be. Could have. I don't remember that, so I don't think they have. Uh, but you've seen some of the older stadiums and some of the bigger stadiums play, but I don't know if they have or not. My guess is no, but I don't know that for sure. Yes, they have. Really? Huh. What is I hang on, I am I'm I'm looking this up now. Yeah, because now I'm curious because uh, and look, we've gotten on on the we've really crawled down the rabbit hole here, but the um, St. Petersburg Bowl. When was that? 2008. 
Okay. Interesting. Who and it was played down game? there? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, that's interesting. But so to kind of to kind of climb out of this a little bit, we were talking about uh, you know coaching carousel and, and the 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 lack of news that we have for Auburn right now. We saw Jeff Brom leave Purdue. He's going to take the Louisville job. I think that's a step backwards right now. It's at least lateral. I mean, it, it's it's no way, shape, or form a step ahead. But. That is his alma mater. He's a great coach. I mean, he makes Purdue a compa- uh, at least a, a tough out. I mean, they just made the Big Ten championship game. So he is a good coach. He has some big wins in his time. You never know what he can do at Louisville. Uh, but here's my problem with uh, Scott Satterfield leaving Louisville to take the Cincinnati job. Satterfield was not able to recruit at Louisville. He couldn't out-recruit Kentucky in the state. How in the world are you going to go to Cincinnati, Ohio, and out-recruit the school in Ohio I mean you're not going to do that if you couldn't beat Kentucky when you were in the state how are you going to beat them when you're out of the state I mean where else are you going to go Indiana you're no, kind of limited it's certainly an interesting decision because you've got you've got the fact that uh they're moving into the big 12 mm-hmm. and and I do believe that that's part of of the reason to bring Satterfield on even though it's completely different I think it's part of the thought process because Satterfield took App State through their transition that's fair brought them up to their current standing in the FBS and so he did that did that well and so I think the thought is okay Cincinnati's transitioning into the Power Five. Let's get a guy who's done a transition kind of like this, although it's totally different because Cincinnati went to the daggum playoff last year, and the mm-hmm. last coach, their last coach, is the greatest coach in the school's history. Yep. I mean, by far. So, as uh, somebody that supports UC, I'm not super excited about Satterfield. I don't think the fans are either, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Jeff Brom. I hope he does well. I like the guy. I think he's a really, really good coach. Uh, hopefully, he can go and do big things at his alma mater. I will at never forgive him for losing the Penn State game this year. Yeah, that was really bad. I that forgot. Was, that seems like forever ago, was, by the way. And for a game that I had zero actual <laughs> like connection to, right? I've never been angrier watching a game in my life. You and I were like texting back and forth about it. It was horrible. I, I was mean, so bad. Screaming at the television. Also, Mississippi State played in Tropicana Field in 2016. Fun fact. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I I, I don't, don't remember. I, had, I don't I remember that, seeing but. games played there, but that's interesting. And the I think it's cool. Dan Mullen years. They played uh, Miami of Ohio. Hey, Miami. I had some friends that go to school there. Five and seven. Mississippi State get, getting a ball game and going Jeez. to play Miami of Ohio. Jeez, good for, good for them, I guess. How cool is it to watch other sports be played in baseball stadiums? Football does it, hockey well, does the it. Trop. The Trop's the worst well, stadium the on Trop, earth. But you see it in Boston, New York, That's Chicago. Not That's not fair. Le- Legion Field still stands. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But, yeah, I mean, you see football games played at baseball stadiums. There's a hockey game played on New Year's Day in a baseball stadium every year in the Outdoor Winter Series, which is really that cool. Stuff's, when they did the one, uh, where was it? Was it in the Dakotas or was it in Montana? They did one on, like, they they, they did the, the hockey game almost on a lake. Like, it overlooked a lake a few, oh, a few yeah. years ago. yeah. I think I feel like I know what you're talking about, um, but no, I think it's cool when you play different sports at a baseball stadium because of the the size that it has, and, and I think that's Lake cool. Lake Tahoe, 
Lake did Tahoe. NHL that's right. Outdoor, outdoors yeah. at Lake Tahoe, and on February twentieth and twenty first, and it was the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Colorado Avalanche and the Philadelphia Flyers versus the Boston Bruins. Yep, my and Bruins. One, one of the games it was like too warm. Yeah, and it, it did. got delayed until yeah. like like it didn't, they didn't have puck drop until like 9 30 p.m mm-hmm. they had to wait for the sun to go down yeah. yeah and there was one one year where it snowed it was so cold that they literally had to keep like scraping it off because it was snowing so hard like that's awesome in my opinion like the, hockey the, outside they the need best. to do that lake tahoe one again because that was the most beautiful backdrop yeah. i've ever seen for a sporting event in my life yeah it was well we've officially covered nothing in this first segment so <laughs> we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 we do have a little bit of auburn things to talk about uh because uh an espn uh reporter talked about a possible quarterback for auburn to go after it was an article written no you a already couple, know what i'm going to ago i know yeah. exactly where where you're going i read it and not an option heck no why not well hold the phone i want to talk about it when we come back three three four three two one thirteen ninety we'll take an early break here in segment number one we'll talk about a potential quarterback auburn could land in the transfer portal we'll talk about it when we come back here on the wednesday edition of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, there was an ESPN analyst, Tom Lugenville, that uh, talked about... This is just not where I thought we, we were going with this at all. Okay. Oh, okay, I thought we were talking What'd you about. What you think I was going for? I thought we, we were talking about a different ESPN uh, article. Oh well, we'll get to that in just a second because I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> we're we on not on the same page, but that is okay. So he joined the next round. Obviously, uh, most people know that show, but he joined the show and uh, he talked about a quarterback that is in the transfer portal. It was a guy that's in there. Uh, one of the bigger names, I think, that is sort of flying under the radar a little bit. When it comes to the transfer portal, he's a four-year starter at a Big 12 school that has a high-powered offense. Defense was abysmal this year, but the offense was good. Um, It's a guy that has really, really good stats, and uh, Tom said that when he entered the transfer portal, his first, here's the quote, he said, the first thing I thought when I saw Blank going to the transfer portal is one, that he's that he's using an extra year of eligibility, and two, he would look awfully good in a Hugh Freeze offense. He's talking about Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma State quarterback. He is in the transfer portal, has a year of eligibility, and he thinks he could look really, really good in a Hugh Freeze offense. I don't necessarily disagree. I think Spencer Sanders is a solid player. Um, there have been moments in his career where he's looked awesome. He's looked really awesome. Um, like in his in his first, his last year, 2021, he threw for 2,800 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks, um, and he ran for 668 and 6 touchdowns. There was promise immediately when he started playing. People thought he was um, going to be one of those guys that developed into potentially a a Heisman dark horse kind of guy, Um, but it just has never fully panned out. At one point, he had Tylen Wallace, the the former first-team 
and then second team All-American on his team in, in 2018 and 2020 uh, at Oklahoma State, and those two were truly dynamic together. Mm-hmm. They were a problem for a whole lot of people. Um, but Spencer Sanders, for whatever reason, maybe a slight step back this year. Yeah, I would say uh, so. 2,600 yards, 17 touchdowns, nine picks, uh, ran for 391 and eight touchdowns. Just He's a good player. He'd be an interesting option, Yeah, but I don't think he's like – He's not the first guy that right. would jump out yeah. in my mind. I'm with you. I think, you know, I, I was, first of all, I was kind of shocked to see that he entered the transfer portal, but um, I think he could be an interesting name to to consider to come to Auburn uh, if Hugh Freeze were to to go after him. Uh, the, there's an article on Auburn Daily, of course, uh, we're, we're good friends with them. Lance Dahl wrote an article about this, and he had a graphic comparing Spencer Sanders to Hugh Freeze's best quarterback statistically while at Ole Miss and kind of comparing Mm -hmm. some stats with Spencer Sanders and Bo Wallace, of all people. So uh, kind of looking at their stats compared, which it is kind of crazy, but they have... Bo Wallace. I have not thought about him in a while. But he was was decent, right? I think he was decent. He was... He was solid. He was a good old Miss quarterback. Yeah, but you look at comparing yards, right? <laughs> You're comparing stats a little bit. Sanders, they both had 9,500 yards uh, in, through the air. They were averaging, Spencer Sanders averaged 233, Wallace averaged 244. Both averaged a little over one and a half touchdowns per game. Completion percentage was 61 and 63. So right there, uh, rushing yards, this is the one that really sticks out. Spencer Sanders has almost 2,000 rushing yards where Bo Wallace had under 1,000. So Sanders has good stats. He's a good quarterback he was was twice as many rushing yards per Mm -hmm. game than Bo Wallace was uh actually fewer rushing touchdowns uh per game how about that yeah I wouldn't have expected that at all um but yeah I mean look Spencer Sanders is somebody who when Auburn goes and evaluates the quarterback position he would make a lot of sense what I would argue is that there is a name in the portal right now that to me would be even more intriguing. Okay. And that is Jeff Sims leaving Georgia uh, Georgia Tech, a guy who the stats are not going to blow you away. He turned the ball over a lot when he was at Georgia Tech, but he was playing with Georgia Tech talent as they transitioned out of the triple option into um, a completely modern offense that, I mean, didn't go well, but the raw tools of Jeff Sims and the flashes in some big games it's too much to ignore for me and I think he has he might be the best fit for a Hugh Freeze offense of anybody out there in my mind I mean in his first start in 2020 he gets the upset against uh Florida State throwing for 277 a touchdown two picks and 64 rushing yards he also pulled upsets against UNC, uh, and this year who, he went and got somebody. He he got Pitt this year. He beat Pitt this year, uh, a Pitt team that was a lot better than Georgia Tech. Um, and I mean, he has these spurts where he plays extremely well. Last year against Pitt, twenty four of thirty three, three hundred fifty nine yards, two touchdowns, two picks, and had thirty eight yards rushing. Like there, there are tools there. That I think if you put better talent around him, 
you could see him put up video game numbers in in Hugh Freeze's offense. Let me push back on you a little bit. We know uh, we know Auburn's probably going to go and get a quarterback out of the portal, right? You I think have we, to. We with, all with, with yeah. Calzada going out the door and. We are 99.9% sure T.J. Finley's not going to be on the roster by the time week one comes around at right. Auburn. So we know that Auburn needs to go get a quarterback out of the portal. The conversation has been to go and get somebody that has that experience that can come in and either be competition or t- just completely take the job all altogether to push back against your Georgia Tech guy Auburn has a guy that's got some raw talent. Auburn has a guy that has that ability if they get a little better, if they get some guys around them that the ceiling is really high. They've got Robbie Ashford. And so I think if you're Auburn and Hugh Freeze, in my opinion, and I'm not saying that kid's not good. I'm not saying that he couldn't be good at Auburn. But I think right now it would be better to go and get that dude like a Spencer Sanders. Doesn't have to be him, but somebody like him who has proven he can win at a high level. He's got the experience. You don't have to worry about teaching him how to throw the football and be a, and get better. He's going to come in and be good. All he's got to do is learn the offense. Then he's going to be competition for Robbie, who will make Robbie Ashford better. And then you've got yourself a quarterback battle, which is a good thing. It sounds bad, but it's not. Then you get a guy who, if he can take the job, let Robbie grow a little bit, you build his raw talent into some skill. And I think personally right now, and this could change, but I think right now for me, Auburn at the quarterback spot, you got to go get somebody that you don't have to really develop. He's just got to learn the offense and make Auburn an instant competitor. I think that's where they need to go. I think that, I I mean, I'm looking at what the tools, how they fit in what we've seen Hugh Freeze have success with. And Jeff Sims is much more of that Malik Willis kind of mold. That's fair. Than Spencer Sanders is. Spencer Sanders can be really, really good in Hugh Freeze's offense. But I think I think Jeff Sims could be something really special. And look, if we're just talking quarterbacks in the portal to potentially go get, go get Devin Leary. Devin Leary from NC State last year. 3,400 yards, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. You would take that right now. Absolutely. You take that right now. And there's a lot of guys Auburn would take right now. Where I thought we we were going in this segment was there is another ESPN article that lists seven potential best fits for another transfer quarterback another ACC transfer quarterback yeah and no, that's I'm, DJ Uyunga Galile I was not gonna go there I'm After I've I seen enough going with this and I was like uh, I don't want that no I'm but, good look, I mean I what I will say about DJU is he has every single tool you could possibly want he he can 250 he's got a cannon of an arm We've seen flashes of unbelievable greatness. It's all about the mental makeup, and is he able to do that? He can run the football, too. Yeah. I mean, he ran for 545 yards and seven touchdowns this year. Uh, I mean, he would be effective in that aspect. I don't think he's the guy Auburn should go after. In fact, I mean, Auburn Auburn Live, the On3 site, has been vaguely referencing that there might be some guys hitting the portal that – would be intriguing that have not hit the portal yet that would be intriguing to at the quarterback spot yes yeah i mean they're 
I think you you would just keep an eye on the portal. I don't think quarterback transfers are done. We know that's not true because, right. I mean, look, TJ Finley's still on Auburn's roster, and he's not going to be here by the time the next fall rolls around. The thing about the transfer portal is you don't want to jump on somebody too early in case someone enters, but you don't want to wait too long in case they get snatched up. By the way, DJU has a 48-yard punt in his career. <laughs> put that on the resume we got to get to a break we'll have jordan hill of dogs 247 join us when we come back you are on the line with jacob goins and carter bird on espn 1067 auburn opelika's sports leader 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Welcoming in our Wednesday guest, it is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Jordan, happy Wednesday, man. I know uh, it has been a busy time in Athens. We've got a lot to talk about. We'll jump right into it. We'll start with the SEC championship game. Georgia takes care of business in Atlanta. They defeat LSU by many many scores and uh what looked like to be a, com- uh, a, a maybe a competitive game early uh the dogs just took over down the stretch yeah no doubt a 50 to 30 victory and the thing that i was really struck by as that game was playing out uh was the fact that in a game like that if you're lsu you got to have all the breaks you have to if you're going to pull an upset of that magnitude you have to find a way uh to get lucky and and make plays and you look in the first quarter alone uh, Chris Smith makes a very heads-up play after a blocked field goal and returns at 96 yards for a touchdown. And then shortly thereafter, um, something I, I don't know if I've ever seen before, a deflection off an LSU receiver's helmet pops up and Smile Munden picks it off. By that point, it just sort of felt like to me, okay, Georgia's the one catching the break that LSU desperately needs, so it's probably going to be a tough day for LSU. And, you know, credit to Georgia – they built a 35-10 to 10 lead. Uh, LSU made some plays after halftime, but um, Georgia just kind of kept its foot down and you know, found a way to take care of business uh, to ward off uh, any threat of an upset, which you know, given this past weekend what happened to USC, what happened to TCU, I don't think you, it can be overstated how big that was to uh, go into Atlanta, get another win, and fill that number one spot in the college football playoffs. Is there a sense of, of redemption for this year's team being able to get the actual SEC title after losing it last year to Alabama? I think for sure, and definitely with those older guys. You know, again, the last time they had won the SEC was in 2017 when they beat Auburn. And you think about everything these guys had accomplished. And, you know, Seth and Bennett talked about that after the fact. And I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, he, he said that, look, we understand that winning the SEC is hard. And, and you know, I think there was a lot of conversation in the lead-up to that game of, well, how focused is Georgia really going to be? How much are they going to really care about winning this game when they pretty much know they're already locked into the playoff? Um, you know, I, I never really bought into that just because this was something that this team and this group had never done. There's a couple guys like Robert Bill and Stetson Bennett who were on that 2017 team, but they weren't contributors. You know, they were watching on the sideline as those guys got that done. So uh, I do think that was quite meaningful, but at the same time, this group uh, talks like one that's not done uh, chasing big goals. And luckily for them, this next goal they'll face is going to feel a little a little similar in the fact they get to play in Atlanta and, again, just go right down the road to uh, play in this playoff game. 
Well, Jordan, I don't think there was any question Georgia was going to be in the college football playoff no matter what happened in the SEC championship game, but the Bulldogs get it done. They are officially the number one seed in the playoff, but there was some uh, there was some rumblings down below with some teams losing in championship weekend. The Dogs are now matched up with Ohio State over in Atlanta, like you mentioned. What's your initial uh, thoughts on this matchup? Obviously, we'll get to you and talk to you closer to time of the game, but just your initial reaction to Ohio State getting in and then Georgia being matched up with the Buckeyes? You know, I think that that was the way it should have played out. You know, I think if USC takes care of business or maybe even loses close, you know, maybe USC would have found a way, but the way they lost, there was no doubt in my mind. And I thought that Ohio State was more deserving than Alabama. And, you know, there's been a lot of conversation around that past few days and in the lead up to Sunday's announcement. But the fact that Ohio State lost the number two team, um, the fact that Alabama had a pair of losses and nearly lost to Texas and nearly lost to Texas A&M, I think uh, that the committee got it right. And I thought they got it right from one to four, the teams they put in. A lot of people uh, took issue with the fact that Michigan and Ohio State uh, weren't playing each other. Maybe Ohio State should have been the three seed. But I think TCU is really good. Went undefeated and the only team they lost to, they lost to in overtime, and they had beat them earlier in the regular season. So uh, I think on the whole, uh, it played out, I think, the way it should have. Uh, I'm sure that there are some people, uh, Alabama fans and also SEC fans, who maybe felt Alabama was more deserving. But I think just based on how Ohio State had taken care of business and the fact that that only loss was to Michigan, I think it was enough for them to make it into the playoffs. How much of a threat do you see that that Ohio State team that does have some weapons? They do have, uh, I guess, both teams in that matchup have a Heisman finalist. But what do you see out of that Ohio State team that could cause Georgia some 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 troubles? You know, I mean, I think it's all about that passing game, which is definitely you know pretty obvious if you've watched Ohio State. Now they do have a significant loss with Jackson Smith and Jigbud announcing he's not going to be. Uh, playing in this game, he's preparing for the draft, and that's a pretty significant loss, although he has been banged up. Um, but guys like C.J. Stroud, who you mentioned, the Heisman finalist. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a guy who's made a ton of plays. They've got options, and they're going to be coming in and facing a Georgia team that showed it's vulnerable. I think they gave up a little bit over 500 passing yards to LSU, and mm-hmm. a lot of those yards were to Garrett Nussmeyer, the backup quarterback. Uh, it was not the best game I have ever seen from this Georgia secondary, but the good news from Georgia's standpoint coming off of that performance is uh, they don't have to play this weekend. They've, they've got uh, three weeks essentially to um, really settle in, to really focus in, and credit to this entire team, but particularly the defense and some of the defensive backs. Uh, they've really risen to the challenge in big moments. They played well. Season opener against Oregon, which was obviously a highly anticipated game, I did well against Tennessee in what was the biggest regular season game. And, um, you know, they they uh, have talent and uh, not entirely sure what all the breakdowns were on Saturday, uh, but they will benefit greatly that they've got a little bit more prep time than usual to get ready for this passing attack. He writes for Dogs 247. Jordan Hill joining us here on On the Line. We've seen the four Heisman finalists. It is a quarterback uh, quarterback galore. All four of them are quarterbacks. And, of course, Stetson Bennett gets the invite to New York City. Um, 
there is some debate on whether maybe there were other guys who should have gone over Stetson Bennett. No doubt that he had a really, really good year, but uh, statistics-wise, maybe doesn't match up quite to some of the other guys. What do you think about that, about Stetson Bennett getting the invitation to New York, and what are the chances you think he wins? You know, that uh, is an argument. I understand that there, you know, any year when we have the Heisman, there are always going to be names that are bandied about. And, you know, I think what helps Stetson is the fact that even when you look one to four and some of the other names that were just outside of that, uh, no one really separated themselves. And I think when you kind of go back to default, you look at the guy, the former walk-on, the guy that, you know, you can – Uh, put his numbers against anybody, and I think it's fair that some of the other numbers are better. But he's very clearly got the best narrative that, uh, you know, the former walk-on, we've we've all uh, heard the story coming back and helping Georgia win the national title and now got a shot at a second one. Uh, You know, I think it was a situation where people understood uh, that he's quarterback of the nation's best team, and he's made a lot of plays. You know, he played great in the LSU game. Really come up big in some of Georgia's biggest games, like that Tennessee game, and the Oregon game to start. The Oregon game to start might have been his best start uh, of his career, and and he's had a few really strong performances. So I'll be honest and say I was a little surprised he got invited, but I don't think that it's not justified because again, a lot of the Heisman is about narrative, and nobody's as better than Stetson. Uh, I don't anticipate he's going to win, but uh, I still think it's something if you're a Georgia fan or someone who just likes college football. His story is one worth celebrating, and I can tell you whether or not he wins it, I I don't doubt he's going to make the most of this trip to New York. Jordan, uh, I guess here in the last few minutes, Kirby Smart has been named SEC Coach of the Year over names like, I guess, Josh Josh Heupel and Brian Kelly. Do you find that surprising at all, and uh, do you think that that this really means all that much to Kirby, or is he just 100% locked in on winning another championship? I would have to imagine Kirby doesn't really care that much. <laughs> sure that he is, uh, I sure, I am sure that he is honored by it, but he's not the kind to kind of, uh, you know, boast on his own laurels. And you know, I do think he had a compelling case. And I always compare, you know, giving coach of the year uh, to the fact that you know a lot of times, like Nick Saban, I don't think he has that many coaches of the year. When I think he would say. Um, that he's been the best coach in the SEC for quite some time. I always compare it to kind of like the NBA MVP. And, you know, you look, LeBron James has not had that many MVPs. Sometimes the obvious choices are the one they made. Uh, But I think Kirby had a really compelling case this year. They lose 15 players to the draft, uh, lose 14 starters in total from a national title team. And somehow, some way, they just, you know, stepped up and reloaded and kept rolling. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit different, I think, than, say, some years where a team that is the defending national champion returns at least several significant pieces. And there are many guys that contributed on last year's team. Uh, but there were a lot of holes, particularly on defense. And somehow they found a way to keep it going. And I'm sure people paid attention to that. And I'm sure that that really caught the coaches in the SEC's eye, understanding just how challenging that is for this Georgia team to pick up right where last year's left off. We're joined by Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on On the Line. You know that it is a busy week around college football with the transfer portal opening up on Monday. Not that Georgia, the number one team defending national champions, the favorites to win the national championship this year, needs any help in the transfer portal. But where do you expect Georgia to go and pick up a few players to help out a stacked recruiting class coming in next season? 
Yeah, there's a few positions I think everyone should watch. Wide receiver, outside linebacker, probably offensive line as well. And offensive line may be more on, on the depth side as far as starters. Uh, but we've already seen so far they've offered a couple of wide receivers. Rara Thomas, who's a guy that Auburn's on, and I believe Alabama as well. He's from Eufaula and had a really good run at Mississippi State. Um, and also Dante Cephas, who is a guy from Kent State. Uh, that Georgia got to see up close and personal because Kent State played Georgia early in the year. He had three receptions for 25 yards, so he's somebody that um, has gotten a lot of interest. I know Penn State, UCLA, Oklahoma are among the schools that have offered him. Um, outside linebacker, they're going to lose a lot of experience with Nolan Smith and Robert Bill moving on after this year. So would be interested to see if they add to that position, although um, they are in good shape as far as bringing in a couple of really stud true freshmen. Uh, Samuel Mpemba and Devon Wilson are two guys that they're looking at adding by the time we get to December. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things where Georgia, you know, I, I keep seeing people on our message board saying, why are we not hearing that much about them going after this star or this star? Well, they still have a lot of talent in-house, and Kirby's not been one to just add people to add people. Uh, he wants to find the positions that are definitely in need and positions that they are concerned about, uh, and they'll be very meticulous and very – uh, strategic when it comes to who they try to add to the portal. Jordan, kind of shifting gears to basketball. Last night, Georgia loses a close one to their rival, Georgia Tech, 79-77. What have you seen out of this Georgia team? What did you see out of them last night? and What have you seen out of, out of them this year? 7-3 and three with, I believe it looks like, those three losses coming to the, the toughest competition that they have played to this point. Definitely, and and it was a good game last night, going to Atlanta and uh, battling back and forth with Georgia Tech. There was a point, uh, probably a little bit past midway in the second half, where there were nine straight lead changes between the possessions between both teams. Wow! But it was a situation, yeah, it was a situation late uh, where Georgia just kind of ran out of gas as far as scoring. Last two o three, they had a four point lead and just couldn't hold on. Had some miscues and, and uh, had a really tough charge go against them that would have tied the game in the final seconds. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a situation where this team has kind of been banged up and dealing with illness. They had two guys that were not there last night, uh, Kyron Lindsay and Jason Holt. Um, not necessarily their biggest players, but guys who have played significant minutes. And they had to go without them and play, a, you know, I think a pretty talented Georgia Tech team, especially them playing on their home court. Uh, you know, I think this is still kind of a work in progress with this Georgia team. They've shown flashes. They've got guys who can shoot pretty well, and I thought last night on the whole it was a pretty good performance defensively, which at the end of the day with this year's team, it's going to be all about defense. They they kind of have spurts where they really do not shoot well, but on the whole, defense is pretty consistent. So um, still a work in progress. They've got 11 days at this point until their next game when they play Notre Dame in State Farm Arena. Uh, that's going to be another big test, and it's going to be um, you know, a, a chance for them to get a little bit of redemption. I do think some of the Georgia players, after we talked to them last night, uh, made it clear that they kind of felt like they would let one get away. So they'll have a chance in another ACC opponent uh, on December 18th and see if they have better luck. Yeah, Jordan, you bring that Notre Dame game up. That's a pretty big break. Today's the 7th. They're not going to play until the 18th. Yeah, I know, and it's kind of interesting. I asked Mike White about that before the Georgia Tech game, and he said it's something you know that they'll kind of deal with when it comes uh, up to it as far as um, how to really be strategic about that time lapse. They were, there will be finals in the middle of that, and 
quite frankly, more than anything, I mean, I know they'll still be practicing and working, but they kind of just need to heal up and, you know, get uh, over some of the illnesses. There were four guys who missed the Florida A&M game last Friday, and a couple of them were sick. Uh, so there's been a little bit of a, a bug going around. So I think uh, on the whole, it, it might really benefit Georgia that they get a little bit of a break before they go back out. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He joins us every Wednesday here on the show. Man, we appreciate your time every single week. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all your work for Dogs 247. Absolutely. Dogs247.com uh, on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill and at Twitter at Dogs247. And uh, everybody keep an eye out. I'm actually going up to New York for the Heisman. Hey, all right. Georgia. First time a Georgia uh, player has been a finalist since Garrison Hurst in 1992. Uh, so I uh, figured it was probably worth the trip to see what happens with Stetson and uh, just kind of chronicle it. Yeah, well, man, enjoy that. that would be fun. Go up to New York. Are you going to be there for a few days? Yeah, yeah. Actually going to fly out pretty much first thing tomorrow morning. So maybe do a little bit of sightseeing and then get right back to work on Friday. That's right. Well, man, you do a great job, and we appreciate your time. Enjoy your trip to New York. We'll talk to you next week, all right? Sounds great, guys. Appreciate it. Yep, that is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He joins us every Wednesday here on the show, giving us all the information about the Georgia Bulldogs as the football team, obviously number one team in the country. Uh, They are preparing for the college football playoff. They've got a Heisman Trophy candidate. They have the SEC Coach of the Year. Uh, Good things happening in Athens, whether we like it or not. So we always like to have Jordan Hill on talking about the Georgia uh, athletics. So we'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up our number one. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321. 1390. We'll wrap up the first hour on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you in the studio at ESPN 1067. Big thank you to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. I didn't realize how much we actually had to talk about with him. There's a lot of stuff going on with Georgia right now with the playoff and Stetson Bennett and Kirby Smart and Transfer Portal. I mean, there was a lot to talk about with him. So uh, gave us great information. We appreciate him coming on every single Wednesday at 230. Uh, he said he's going to New York for the Heisman can- for the uh, Heisman Trophy ceremony that'd be cool yeah yeah no absolutely i mean we i don't think he wins but no he's finishing fourth yes he's got the worst stat line by far of any of the four yeah but honestly honestly i'm gonna be upset when they give it to caleb williams over max duggan yeah but we'll see we talked about caleb williams who was the favorite to win it going into championship weekend and then i think max duggan won it on championship weekend he should have he won't maybe i don't know but he should. By the way, did you see the bad beat on on Caleb Williams, the his rushing yards prop bet in the no. Pac-12 championship? Most insane thing I've ever seen. So his over-under for rushing yards was 32. He rips off a 59-yard run in the first quarter to get to 73 rushing yards and then Sacks. hurts his ankle. And falls all the way back in the last ninety seconds. He he takes a ten yard sack to, oh. to get to, to get inside uh, thirty two. Oh, that's horrible! Did they do it on on Scott Bad Van Pelt yes. on bad beats? Nice. I've never seen anything like it. That is with, horrible. With five minutes left, I think he had fifty three yards. Gosh, that's the thing, man. That that's the thing about 
if you are a betting person or if you at least keep up with stuff like that because it is a lot of fun to watch right is quarterback rushing totals you've got to take in the sacks and it especially in the NFL this is why the totals are so low for most quarterback I mean Tom Brady when he plays his rushing total is literally it's set at like two like it's not anything high at all because he doesn't well, yeah, move and he gets Tom sacked. Brady <laughs> I know but it's interesting because you've got to take the sack yards into it because that goes against the rushing yards not in the NFL in the NFL, sack yards does not go against quarterback r- rushing yards. Are you sure about that? A hundred percent. Really? One hundred percent. Yeah, that's a thing. You didn't know that? No. I can't believe you didn't know that. It's a I could have swore I did. No, it goes against, I think, team passing yards maybe, but I don't think it, go- it doesn't penalize the quarterback for sacks. Huh. Okay. <laughs> How did, I knew it was that way in college. I didn't know it didn't go against them in the pros. Are you serious? Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, you learned something new. There you I'll, go. I'll even look it up for you. I mean, I believe you, but I just I Sacks always thought do it did. not count as negative rushing yards against the quarterback in the NFL. Huh. They go, okay. they also do not count as negative passing yards against the quarterback. They are recorded as negative team passing yards, so I was right. Hmm. I don't really like that. What do you mean? It's not always the quarterback's fault when a sack happens. Well, I know, but that's interesting. I didn't know that. I really thought it went against him. I knew it did in college, but I just, I guess I assumed it did in the NFL too. That's why Tom Brady has a prop for two yards every game because it's literally, does he do a QB sneak twice? Well, you make something, you learn something new every day. We got to get to a break. We'll come back and have hour number two on the other side. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. First hour is in the books, so you know what that means. Hour number two is officially underway right here on ESPN 1067. If you missed any of our number one, it was a good one. Be sure to go back and catch up with the podcast. You can find that at ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You can find it commercial free right there. Uh, we talked to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 about all the things going on over in Georgia with the uh, Georgia Bulldogs obviously being the number one team in the playoff. They've got Stetson Bennett, a Heisman candidate. They've got uh, uh, Kirby Smart, won the SEC Coach of the Year about 30 minutes ago. Uh, we 
got to talk to him about all of that stuff. So if you missed that or anything else from the first hour, be sure to go back and catch up on the podcast, ESPNAU.com. We're about to get to the phone lines, but they are open in all of hour number two. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind that you want to talk about, if you want to talk Auburn, if you want to talk Transfer Portal, uh, baseball, basketball, whatever you want to talk about, the phone lines are open the entire second hour. So give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Call in. Be a part of the show. Be on the line. 334-321-1390. Terry, you are on the line. We appreciate you holding through the break, man. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How y'all doing? We're doing good, Terry. Terry. Hey, I heard y'all talking a little bit. Did I get the name about Jeff Smith? Did something happen there? Jeff Smith? Or uh, Je- the quarterback, yeah, I'm sorry, Sims. Jeff Sims. Sims. Oh, Jeff Sims. Sims. Okay. He, okay. He, he's transferring from Georgia Tech. We don't know where to yet. Okay. We were discussing Spencer we were Sanders. comparing Spencer Sanders to Jeff Sims in terms of fit in Hugh Freeze's offense. Okay. I didn't know. I thought something had happened. I didn't know. I know Auburn's no. certainly got depth issues at quarterback. Yes, and right. That's, that's the, but they have depth issues in a lot of places. Yes, they do. Well, we we were just talking quarterback specifically in that part of the show. But, no, you're absolutely right. There's They're going to have to go get at least 15 guys in the transfer portal in my mind. Well, the defensive line is in real good shape, and the linebackers is even worse than that, I believe. So yeah. we all know the issues on the offensive line. That's been well documented. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, so. I, I think linebackers, defensive line, and offensive line are going to be hit extremely heavily in the transfer portal. I think you're going to see Auburn go get four offensive linemen, I would guess, probably two or mm. three defensive linemen and two linebackers is probably what I'm mm. seeing right, or like what I would see in my head right now. What is Auburn's situation at linebacker, guys? Is Eugene Asante still there? And is Spencer, um, the guy that had the great first game and seemed to tell off toward the year, has, has some, you know, solid, I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Cam Riley? Riley, yeah, right. Cam so you've got, you've got Steiner, you've got Riley. Uh, I don't know if Asante is still on the roster or not. I'm trying to get go look at the Auburn transfer portal page, and I, I can give you a better answer here in a second. On who all is in the portal for Auburn? Um, right now, you've got Desmond Tisdale still on the roster. You've got Robert Woodyard, but there's not a lot of proven commodities on that on, in that linebackers room. You don't have, uh, you still don't know exactly what the status of Eugene Asante is. There were some rumblings of potentially leaving at one point, and that may be one of those kind of harson guys that was looking to redshirt and would and that's where those rumors came from well and, yeah, and carter and jacob you don't know he guys he could be a, a rumor to leave or he could be asked to leave could be yeah 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 so i mean, let's I mean be totally I, honest i think that's that's already happened with some guys i mean i think that's truthfully i think that's probably what happened with zach calzada uh mm-hmm. but i mean you've you've got Zeke Walker, Marquise Robinson, Jordan Ingram, Joko Willis, Worsham, Keandre Jones. Like you've got a list of guys in the portal: Xavier Capers, A.D. Diamond, Calzada, uh, J.J. Evans. J.J. Evans was always somebody that I expected to to actually get out on the field and just never ever saw him. Yeah, he was kind of like that. We thought we thought Landon King was going to do big things, mm-hmm. and then Harson basically destroyed his year. So, well, well, um, Landon King's coming back, and and, yeah, and according back, to right, according right, to right. on three, uh, I think he may have met with Hugh this morning. Well, he, to me, he would be a matchup nightmare with the size he possesses. 
And he's too, you know, he's not not quite a tight end, but he's he's a big receiver. Right. Uh, that that that's you know it bodes well for Auburn. He's a, he's he's a matchup. Get him the ball. Yeah, he's a matchup nightmare if he can get somebody to throw the football to him and get actually get on the field. Absolutely. But yeah, again, we've we've had this discussion a couple of times with you, Terry. Is we've had we've known these types of guys that we saw and we knew were good and were told they were good coming through spring and through fall, and then once they once the season started, guys like him just hardly ever touched the field under Brian Harson. What are your guys' thoughts about uh, Tank Bigsby? I mean, uh, I know that, that some guys have declared for the NFL. We all expect Tank, too, certainly, because the running back shelf life in the NFL is just not much. And you, you, you go when you can. I think it's, that it, there it, is – it all depends on what his his dra- NFL draft board grade is coming back from the NFL. If they give him a fourth or fifth round grade, mm. I think he might come back. And there's some there's some rumblings – that 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 there might be some legs to that. I don't know though. You know, it's amazing. The running back position at one time was you know drafted the first round, top ten. Now they're you know third round guys because of the longevity and mm-hmm. the the beating their bodies take. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, look at look at just a few years ago in the twenty twenty draft, you saw the Kansas City Chiefs take Clyde Edwards Elair in the yeah. first round. He's the third string running back on their team three years later, two years later, really. Yeah. Well, you remember what? Just ten years ago, maybe twelve years ago, with the guy at Alabama, the the big the big physical back. I'm just terrible. Ingram, at today. Richardson, or Richardson, Richardson, or Ingram. Richardson, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was like he's he was one like of the biggest busts of all time. Yeah, yeah. He ended up playing for the Birmingham Iron. Yeah. What happened to that team? Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, I actually, hey, I went to their first ever game in Birmingham, Terry. Did you really? I did. I have hey, the T-shirt a- that I bought. It's yeah. a, it's a sore su- subject for some people that the to talk about the the a- AAF folding. Yeah. Well, Jacob, how much you pay for that T-shirt? Uh, I don't know, maybe twenty, twenty-five dollars. Probably maybe. worth more now, Terry. Uh, I have, I have my. Not item. only, not only do I have the T-shirt, <laughs> I have the ticket stub from that game as well. No. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I think it's it, worth much, but it might be worth something. Maybe. I look. It's it was cool. Item. I mean, yeah, it's collector's item. It's cool. It's in. You know, I've got it with all my other sports collectibles and other tickets. Back when you could actually hold the physical ticket. Yeah, now it's on the phone, right? Yep, I know. It's a sad day. But, but right, take it's, care, guys. Yeah, we appreciate the call. Appreciate That's it, Terry, Terry joining us. And I'm glad he brings up Tank because that noise has been sort of quiet. I mean, nobody's really talking about Tank right now and what his status is and if he's going to stay, if he's going to go. And you would think that in Hugh Freeze's eyes, this has got to be – we know he's recruiting, we know he's in the portal, but this has got to be one of the biggest names he has to be recruiting right now is trying to get Tank to come back one more time. Well, I mean, I, I, I think to an extent it's completely out of Hugh Freeze's hands. Uh, I think it depends on the draft grade that Tank gets back. I yeah. think if it's low, then that opens the, the door for you to recruit him back to the roster. And then you're talking about a running back room that would be really daggum deep and good because you you would basically swap Jordan Ingram out with Jeremiah Cobb and Cobb is a is an extremely talented, extremely highly rated guy. I do believe, I 
think uh, Rivals bumped him up to the number 63 player in the country today and the number two all-purpose back. Yeah, I looked it up just trying to find where Tank Bigsby is sort of being projected right now in the NFL. Uh, I'm on a website. It's called NFL Mocked Draft Database, and you can look up uh, players, you can look up teams, and it's literally a a graph of where they are uh, on like a basically a week-to-week basis. And uh, I don't know what numbers go into this, so take this with a grain of salt, if you will, because it hasn't been really fully released from big time guys yet but this is saying according this is updated today it goes by week to week he's projected in the 2023 draft if he were to go he'd be the 77th overall pick in the third round of the draft that's where they have him right now according to this site say say that one more time. 77th overall in the third round his highest according to this site was 18th at one point but he is now at 77th overall in the third round with a two percent chance to go in the first round he he's not going in the first round. I agree. He's, he's not a he's not a first round back with the year. His year this year did not help him. Right. Granted, the last month helped a lot because he looked totally different. Yeah. Because the offense actually helped him. Um, it's crazy. Yes. This. So late third round is what it's looking at. I'm fascinated to see if if maybe. Um, that grade comes a little lower. I think he's going to be a guy that tests extremely well because I think he's super athletic. I think he's going to run better than people expect. I think he's going to show off his strength and quickness. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. He would test well at an NFL combine. I just don't know if his grade is going to be high enough for him to just 100% lock it in. He's going to the NFL. Yeah, and another website, Pro Football Network, has him as a day two type of guy. So uh, that's, it, that's third roundish. Yeah, third roundish. So that's sort of where Tank Bigsby is sitting at right now. A six foot two thirteen. Somebody, right? uh, personally, I think somebody'd be getting a steal in the third round. They would. Uh, that would be a really, really good pick. But again, with the season that he just had, you just don't know what his thoughts process is. And again, I think, in, in my personal opinion. I think it's going to be really, really tough for Auburn to convince him to come back one more time. I know it is a a different coaching staff, and we know that Tank Bigsby loves Auburn because if he didn't, he wouldn't be here. He would have gone already. But Auburn has sold him multiple times, and let's be honest, he hasn't had the the fairest of shots at Auburn. He could have had a better career at a lot of other places. I'm just being blunt with you. But he loves Auburn. And Auburn loves oh, him. He, I mean, he would be the best. He would have been the best running back at Georgia for the last what two, three years. Yeah, no doubt. They would have used him like a workhorse, and he. I didn't know. I didn't even think they would have used him like, like a workhorse because they have so many bodies in that well, room. That's yeah, and, that's and, true. And, like that's true. Because think think back when they had at one point they had Todd Gurley, Sony Michelle, and Nick Chubb in the same room, yeah, and they used right. all three of them. That's right. I mean, like which means they, he would have stayed healthy. Alabama and Georgia have perfected this this kind of new age. Where they keep all three, oh, they have three guys that they can go to. They keep all three fresh. They rotate them, and they all have like they all get solid draft grades because they're able to show their show their skill set still. Yeah. And and I mean, think back to uh, Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs on the same team. And then you had Kenyon Drake and you had Derrick Henry. And I mean that's all in the same little time space. Yeah. yeah. I mean all of those. That's a really guys, good point. Like, they, they there are teams like Georgia and Alabama that do a really good job of keeping guys fresh, which I think to if you're asking me, Gus Malzahn never did that. No. That was a major issue. That's I mean frankly, 
I think Carryon Johnson would still be in the NFL had Auburn adopted a similar system in terms of trying to keep their running backs fresh in 2017. But they ran Carryon Johnson into the dra- into the ground and I don't think he ever really truly bounced back. Yeah, I don't think he was healthy when he got drafted, and that's why you see him not playing on Sundays anymore, but that's a good point. I think if Tank were to have played at an Alabama or Georgia, where they, like Like you said... He might have run for 1,000 yards. He might have. And I don't think he would have gotten hurt. There'd be a heck... Like, he wouldn't be in the conversation for the Heisman. He wouldn't be in any of those conversations, but he would, like, everybody would see his skill set... And he'd be fresh. He'd be a top two rounder, right? He'd be a first or second round back. Yeah, I mean he'd be he'd be middle to early part of the second round mm-hmm. with a with a maybe fringe into the first round just because it's so hard for a back to get there. Like right. B. John Robinson is gonna be the first guy taken in this next draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he would have a huge NFL upside of potential. And so uh, again, I just think it's I think it's gonna be tough for Auburn to to, to sell Tank one more time. Not saying it can't be done, and I'm not saying that Tank wouldn't do it because he doesn't like Auburn or anything anymore. I just think with running backs like Terry's talked about and like we've been discussing, it's hard to be an NFL running back. And it's hard. First of all, it's hard to get there. And then when you do, it's hard to sustain that. And the window of, of an NFL back's prime is very, very small. And so if Tank gets a good report and can get to the draft and get into the pros in that third round slot where it's looking like he could be right now, I almost think you got to go. I really do. Now, if you're looking at four, five, six, whatever, then yeah, maybe come back one more year and see if Tan- or see if um, Hugh Freeze, excuse me, can give you a little bit of a boost in your draft stock, can give you that one last hurrah, right, and try to boost your numbers, maybe get healthy and really shine on the stage one more time. So we'll see. I just think it's interesting the noise around Tank Bigsby with all of the transfer portal talk, with all of the recruiting talk we've seen and the noise we've seen with Hugh Freeze and this staff. The talk about Tank Bigsby has been, it's been kind of quiet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it certainly has been. And I, he had such a kind of subdued year that he's not getting the the draft buzz that you're going to get out of guys like Blake Corum, B. John Robinson. I mean, heck, Devin A. Chain. Yeah, Devin A. Chain. If you go look in some mock draft, he's all of a sudden in the first round picture for some teams, which is crazy to me because he's a little light. Mm-hmm. For That's me. what I was thinking. Uh, but but I mean he can certainly be an asset for sure. I think he's a second round guy. Absolutely, I didn't think he'd be a first round guy. But like there are some backs getting a ton of buzz right now, and Tank Bixby's not one of them. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that continues to build to a point that the door is cracked for him to come back to Auburn. This sparks an interesting question that I want to ask you. We'll take a break and talk about it on the other side. Talking with Tank or talking about Tank Bixby being one of those guys that Auburn needs to retain. Who else does Hugh Freeze, of the players on the staff right now, or the players on the roster, sorry, the players that are on the roster right now that have not entered the transfer portal yet, out of those players, which ones does Hugh Freeze have to retain or at least have to try and retain? We'll talk about it when we come back. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Which players does Hugh Freeze need to try and keep on this Auburn roster going into 2023? We'll hit the phone lines and talk about that when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
Let's get to the phone lines here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Dan, we appreciate you holding on through the break, man. You're on the line. Hey, guys. Y'all doing all right? Yeah, man, doing good. How are you? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Um, I think a little bit of what hurt Tank this last year, I noticed he was dropping a lot of passes. If you're going to look at a guy in the NFL, like, like say, the guy from Texas A&M, he's really good at catching the ball. Yeah, and I think that's probably what's helping him get up there right now. The NFL teams throw so much, except for a few teams, you know, like Tennessee. They run a lot more, but a lot of them just throw so much. You've got to have guys that have like great hands. And I, I think Tank typically had had really good hands. But I thought he kind of showed a little bit this year. Yeah, you definitely see the NFL. It is a pass-heavy league, and it, they like to they like to use that running back as a as a flex type of guy, where they can use him as a blocker or roll him out as a dump off or a screen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know what will be interesting in the NFL is I think it is slowly starting to sw- the pendulum starting to swing back to running it is. running the ball because power run schemes have or have actually never been more effective in the history of the NFL than this year. But that's a different point. But yes, I agree. Tank did not I think catching the ball is obviously extremely important. He he didn't have the best year that we've seen out of him doing that. But then also just like statistically it wasn't a great year for the majority of the year and I think that's the offensive line. I think that's the scheme. I think all of it kind of hampered his year and then the back the last month you saw him really flourish when you let Will Friend do, like coach scheme and coach to to the skill set of his offensive line to the skill set of his backs and you saw the damage that they did um and I think that if he does come back under Hugh Freeze who's a much better offensive mind than than Eric Keysaw or Brian Harrison I mean honestly both of them combined um you're gonna I think you're gonna see the best year that Tank's ever had at Auburn yeah no, I, I can agree with that I mean I think what we were trying to do is, is pound that middle and pound the middle and pound the middle. And then, you know, but with our line, we weren't creating the holes in the middle. Right. And so, you know, T- Tank's not, you know, 230-pound guy, you know, that's just going to, you know, constantly, you know, take that pounding. Uh, you know, so I, I just think it really, you know, when, when the Cadillac took over and we started doing the toss weeks and getting placed to the outside, you know, it, it, it kind of helped him out more. But, you know yeah 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 100 yeah i mean and and trying to run look i i've never fully understood the the point of let's hand it off to the back and run straight into the the line of guys or and and try to hope you find a little narrow hole but auburn didn't have the guys to create those narrow holes anyway up front they just didn't so yeah it's smarter to get guys like tank bigsby who who needs a little bit of time to get going and once he does nobody wants to step in front of him and then obviously a guy like jarquez hunter who maybe is a little bit more uh, has a little bit more agility and speed uh try to get him out on the edge as well so yeah tank this year um obviously not his best year but i'm with carter i think if he does come back for one more if auburn can convince him uh to do it one more time then i think you could see him have a really really good year and hopefully boost his nfl draft stock just got to get some linemen. That's the big key. Yeah, well, I <laughs> yeah, think hey, Hugh Freeze knows I, that. I think you you've got a head coach right now that understands the the priority of that to a level that the last two coaches just it never registered on the radar. And Hugh Freeze, that is priority number one. And I think he's going to go accomplish exactly what he needs to do 
to get an offensive line that they can run behind. Yeah, and Dan, we appreciate the call. I think, yeah, I think Hugh Freeze knows. Uh, he knows that's how you win in this league. Look at the teams that win in the SEC. They have NFL talent offensive linemen. I mean, that's just that's how it goes. Because then you can because then if you have the offensive line, you don't have to have just this, you know, just the absolute best quarterback. Now those teams do have really good quarterbacks, but then you can start to get dudes to come to your program who are better because they actually know they're going to have an offensive line. Right? You're going to get better backs. You're going to have better production, which brings better players, and it just it's a huge cycle. So. Hugh Freeze understands that, and, and I think that is where he is going to go. Dan, we appreciate the call. Uh, we'd love to hear from you at 334-321-1390. Yeah, I mean, Hugh Freeze knows. He knows what he has to do. There's no doubt about it, right? I mean, he he knows he's got to get offensive linemen, and there's a couple of big ones in the portal. I think we're going to see a couple of more, and I think Hugh Freeze oh, is going to go mean, after him. We're on day three of 45 days. <laughs> there's yeah. going to be... There may be one or two more that enter. <laughs> there's going to be a boatload of offensive linemen I think compared to the past few years because that's been one of the biggest I guess complaints that that well not even really complaints just observations is of the positions that hit the portal offensive line seems to be the most sparse yeah uh uh, but here we are I think you're you're gonna see the the Offensive line transfer portal is going to be a lot heavier this year than we've than we've seen to this point, and I think it was a very small sample size because you heard a lot. There was a narrative that was, well, there's not that many guys in the transfer portal for the offensive line. Like, look at there never has been kind of a small sample size. I think you're going to start to see that even out more and more, especially as teams realize, hmm, we need to be really good in the trenches to to win games. Yeah, well, I mean. When an offensive lineman hits the transfer portal, the world doesn't get set on fire, right? I mean, nobody nobody really – and that, that's just how it is. The offensive line is not a sexy position. It's not, but it's the most important one, and it's just not one of those that gets a ton of attention. They don't get any hardly any credit, but they get a lot of blame, right? It's just, That's just one of those positions. And so when big names enter the portal from the offensive line – Again, nobody is nobody's flipping out and, and breaking news and all that like you see with quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers, but they are extremely important. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the, you win games in the trenches. You win games in the six-inch war. Can you move your guy six inches, whether it be on offense or defense? It affects how the entire game plays out. And it affects the amount of time that you're able to give your quarterback. It affects your ability to run the football. It affects your ability to stop the run. All of those things. And I think that's going to be an emphasis for this Auburn team, this Auburn staff. You see them out on the road right now. I mean, if you look at it, you've got Jeremy Garrett, the defensive line coach on the road. You've got uh, Jake Thornton, the offensive line coach on the road. And because the rest of the staff has not been filled out, Joe Bernardi, the, the offensive lineman analyst, he's basically your assistant offensive line coach. He's on the road, too. And and I believe uh, Jake Thornton and Joe Bernardi are going to be headed up to Rhode Island. I think I saw this on On3. I think Jeffrey Lee may have reported it. Maybe it was Keith Niebuhr that Joe Bernardi and Jake Thornton are making a trip up to Rhode Island to go see the Rhode Island transfer, who is the number one offensive lineman in the portal right now. 
It's always good to hear when Auburn is actually on the recruiting trail. It's crazy what happens when you get out and talk to some guys. We've got 30 more minutes. I want to keep talking about Auburn, talk about the guys on this roster, and a whole lot more. 334-321-1390. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. The conversations we have during the break are just dumb. Is what That's the best way I can put it. We're talking about the... Well, it started with Deshaun Davis, the yes. former Auburn linebacker, just got named uh, linebackers coach at UNA, North Alabama. North Alabama, which is where I am originally born. It's where my family is. And so my sister graduated from UNA. Uh, I have a cousin that goes to UNA. And so I said UNA, home of the Lions. And I told you that they used to have, and they still do, live Lions on campus. That, like the school mascot that you could go and see. And you thought that was not cool. I just don't, I don't, I think it's stupid. <laughs> I think it's cool. You have lion, a, a live lion on campus in Florence, Alabama. Are you kidding me? I mean, to be fair, I'm looking at the live stream. I've still yet to see a lion, so I'm still iffy on if he actually exists. <laughs> <laughs> he does exist. He does exist. But anyway, continuing on talking about. Damn, a lion named Una, dude. That was dumb. <laughs> you and that is, y'all are haters, whatever. Y'all are just being hateful today because McKenzie didn't agree with it either. She was not a fan of it. So look, y'all are just being hateful. But let's talk some more because we never did get to the question that I asked was of the. Of the players on this current Auburn football roster, which ones we were because we were talking about Tank Bigsby, right? Which other players on the current roster would you do you think that when Hugh Freeze took the job, he sat down with the roster and had to put a circle around him and say, okay, I have to make sure that these guys stay on my roster? Obviously, take out the guys that declared for the NFL draft, take out the Take out the uh, the guys that have already transferred, right? But the guys that Hugh Freeze had to say, look, these are the ones I have to keep on this roster in 2023. Which are those guys in your mind, Carter? We've got a phone call. We'll get to that in just a second. But in your mind, who are those players? Because I think Tank is one of them. I mean, well, Tank's not, again, it's not necessarily all up to you. If you have the chance, yes, absolutely. Right. I you, you you he does not need to be transferring. Uh, you need to find a way to make sure that doesn't happen. If he goes to the NFL, let him go to the NFL. Let him pursue his dream. But if there if you can keep him, yeah, keep him absolutely. He'd be on the list. But I mean, Robbie Ashford has to be a keep at this point. If you're looking at that, and then you go to receiver, um, I guess Javaris Johnson can come back. Um. Camden Brown, Landon King, uh, I guess Coy Moore has to stay. I mean, those four, uh, all your freshmen, Jay Fair, Omari Kelly, who made some nice plays this year, those guys are your must-keeps. On the offensive line, Jeremiah Wright. Jeremiah Wright. Then defense, I mean, it's a lot of your DBs, a lot of your DBs, and Mm -hmm. then like Marcus Harris. um, And yeah, I mean, not there's not a ton that i just jump out right just like dj james if he wants to come back keontae scott jalen simpson those kind of guys for sure mm-hmm. 
And then on the defensive line, Jason Jones, Marcus Harris, those guys. Um, but I mean, there's going to be we're going to have unprecedented turnover on Auburn's roster this year. Yeah, something you've you've talked about quite a bit. Let's get to the phone lines three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey guys, I hope y'all are having a great day. It's kind of started out kind of uh, dreary, but it's turned into a pretty day, hasn't it? Yeah, yes. it's a beautiful day. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was cloudy and kind of you know one of those gloomy days we've had this week. But yeah, it's nice and sunny outside. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I'm not being a minority. Uh, obviously, I am, but I think it's more important. I, I think it's more important for Charles Hunter than Tank Bigsby. I think Charles Hunter is a much better running back than Tank Bigsby, and I, I say that because he averages more than double the yards per carry. You know, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I, so. I would say that, and exactly like what you just, y'all just said, uh, the DPs, we need to definitely keep them out. I think uh, with us, it, 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 is it the crime dog, McGriff, is he definitely coming now? Yes, yes, he is. He is, he is on staff okay. now. Well, I, I, I look for big things from Auburn's DPs, and, you know, so I, I think you're right about that. We've got several good guys. And, you know, Corey Moore, some of the guys you said. But uh, I, I was just going to put this out there again. And I, we all know that this mayhem that's going on right now can't, you know, that's not, that can't endure. But there's too many loopholes that you pretty much do whatever. But I still, I don't see why a two-year contract, uh, you know, between the school and the player is out of line. And then you can you can allow for you know register be either if he wants to transfer up to two years he can go to any school he wants to mm-hmm. you know and and he still has a red shirt to use it in either the first or the second but they, I mean there has to be some kind of oversight of the, about this eventually. Right. Uh, don't you think? Yeah, I think there's going to uh, – eventually, I think they'll step in and, and put some some form of, of cap on it or some form of, of restriction. I don't know what that is. I, I, I hear your idea about the two-year contract. That's it's that's an option, right? I, I don't know what the best option is. I don't, I'm not smart enough for that. But that's an interesting idea. Obviously, you've talked to us about it before. But, uh, yeah, and, and I get it, right? You sign somewhere, and it says you can't go anywhere for two years, but then you can transfer, right? But I, I'm with you. I think eventually they'll have to come up with something because, uh, I mean, there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of guys going into it, and it's just a, a free agency. Yeah, I, I mean, eventually. Uh, you know, and they said it was going to be two years, and now they're talking about extending it. And I, you know, I, I have, I, you know, this. I, I have no problem with players making the maximum of their, you know, their worth. No problem at all, right? You know, but 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 you've got to have some kind of structure within it, you know, to to, to build a team every year. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just I just think, and yeah. you know. It wouldn't surprise me. Let me just throw this in here real quick. It wouldn't surprise me when uh, Nick Saban leaves uh, Alabama uh, for him maybe to be tapped for maybe, you know, an oversight committee for college football. Him and, you know, a, a, a panel. Urban Myers, you know, a guy. I, I don't know. I yeah, mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I, they, I think. They need something. 
Yeah, and I think Nick Saban's one of those guys that once he, if he does retire, I, I'm fully convinced that Nick Saban will coach until the day he literally falls down on the sideline dead. Um, but if he if he does end up retiring, Ed, I think he will still be in touch with the game somehow just because he, he's one of those guys that's bred like that. He, you can't just walk away and not touch it ever again. So he could be in some sort of, of committee like that that oversees something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I agree about him and being involved. And you know, there might be small, but well, we don't want him. But no, he's he's smart. He knows how. He knows that uh, everybody knows pretty much that we have to have some. And the NCAA is pretty much deemed, you know, pretty much non-existent as far as I like the word know, worth. I, I like the, I like to use the word worth uh, worthless and useless. Those are the two I use a lot. The NCAA is dying. <laughs> yeah. They know it, yeah. and they are doing everything they can to prolong their life. Yeah, I know it. All right, guys, where are you going to end up? Thank you all for taking my call. Yeah, man, appreciate we appreciate it, Ed. it. Hope you're doing well. We uh, uh, Some good some good points in there. Yeah, I, I, uh, going back to the, the original statement, I just kind of skipped over Jarquez. I just – Jarquez is absolutely a must-keep. Um, I I did was not meaning to to. Uh, we get it. You just don't think he's he's not good enough to play at Auburn. We Jar- get it. Jarquez is unbelievable. <laughs> I I he's fantastic. love watching that guy play. I I'm not going to go as far as to say that he's a better running back than Tank. I mean, uh, Tank averaged 5.4 yards a carry this year. Jarquez averaged 6.4. But I think a large portion of that to me is when defenses are in their meeting rooms every week playing Auburn. This year, the one guy, the first guy out of your out of these defensive coordinators' mouths isn't going to be Tank Bigsby. He's going to be the guy that they key on. He's going to be the guy that they game plan for more so than Jarquez Hunter. Jarquez Hunter is probably the second name yeah. <laughs> with the way that the offense ran this year. But and if Tank were to leave, it probably would become Jarquez. Yeah, I think I think these two guys are just so good. I think they're the best duo. Well, that's... Hey, oh, hey, careful. Bit, uh, the best duo of running backs in the SEC. I mean, I think if you gave them a good offensive line and you give them Hugh Freeze this next year, if they're both back, and healthy. I would put them up against Quinchon Judkins and Zach Evans at Ole Miss. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah, I, I would, would too. That. And, you know, it's it's hard to compare those two guys because they're both so good, but they're also so different, right? I mean, Tank is your your your. Uh, for lack of a better word, he's your tank, right? He is your guy that is going to run between the tackles, run somebody over, drag people across the across the yard lines, and just get those yards after contact. Where And he can make guys miss, don't get me wrong. Jarquez is the guy who's going to get out in space and try to make somebody miss and outrun everybody. He could put his shoulder down and run somebody over too if he needs to, but they're kind of different backs. But and, I think I think they're they're somewhat the same while being different they're built different right they're both to me are between the tackles guys Jarquez has moments like Jarquez they Auburn found creative ways to get him on the edge but if anything I think he seeks out contact even more than Tank does yeah Tank looks to use that stiff arm and he's really good at it he he likes to make guys uh miss making cuts I like the way he runs, um, and Jarquez will drag people too. I mean, we've yeah. saw, we've seen that. Sometimes Tank's vision can lack. Mm-hmm. There's like, and it's not, nothing major. He's still picking up six, seven yards. But if he just went a step or two this way, it could be 
20 yards rather than seven or eight. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there are moments where that, that shows. Uh, but I will say that I think that I think that both backs are really, really good. And if Auburn does a good job reloading on the offensive line, if Auburn does a good job at the quarterback and wide receiver positioning, puts skill position players around these guys, I don't see a reason why Auburn can't have 2,000-yard rushers next year. It would if, be if yeah. both if t- this is all contingent on Tank coming back, obviously. Right. It would be awesome if both could come back. If Auburn could pull that off, if Hugh Freeze could pull that off. Uh, again, it, I just don't know exactly where Tank sits right now, and I think he's going to try and get the most information he can about his draft stock and where he would end up in the NFL draft. Um, and you you got to make sure Jarquez doesn't go anywhere either. But here's the good news. If Tank Bigsby or Jarquez Hunter go, if you can keep one of them, you're in a good spot. If you can keep both of them, you're in a great spot. And like you said, if Hugh Freeze can go and do what we think he can and build an offensive line where Auburn can be go, go and be a run-first team and actually be effective at doing that like we saw down the stretch, then, of course, we know that helps the quarterback. But you can make Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, like you said, Carter, the best running back duo in the SEC uh, we were talking at the beginning of the season, Tank Bigsby could be one of the best running backs in college football. Uh, I mean, he really, really could. And you could see Jarquez become that with the right tools, with the right offense. And we know Hugh Freeze can run a pretty good offense. So I think it's important to try to keep them if you can. Uh, but uh, I think it, it may be a little bit out of Hugh Freeze's hands just seeing where they want to go and if Tank wants to end up going to the pros. But, Ed, we appreciate the call. Phone lines are still open. Uh, let's get to our final break. We'll come back and wrap it up on the other side of this Wednesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind as we wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line? You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of today's show, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcasts or at ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You can find it commercial free right there. We were actually just looking at uh, the basketball schedule for tonight. There's some good games on in college basketball. Mm -hmm. And you were talking that and you told me that Auburn is one of the eight undefeated teams left in college basketball. Ten. 10, okay. I believe it's 10. I think it's like UConn, Virginia, Purdue, Mississippi State, Missouri, UNLV, Utah State, and maybe I'm missing one. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, look, there's some decent games tonight um, in Big Ten play, which starts extremely early for some reason. Nebraska plays Indiana. Is there ACC a reason for that? play started as well. Duke, and, Duke and, uh, yeah. and Boston College played. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't. It's super early. I hate that the Big Ten plays a game, and then they have a month off from conference play, and then start it back up. Yeah. That's stupid. It is. I agree. It's really dumb. But, but you know what? Northwestern's 1-0, baby. Road win at number 20, Michigan State. Good. Well, they did win. It, it is a top twenty win. What are you? What, what, are you? How are you about to knock that win? How, are, how <laughs> because, is that possible? Because Michigan State's lost what four in a row, five in a row. I don't think that's true. I guarantee they have. I guarantee they've lost four in a row. I think they've lost two, four. Okay, 
Look it up. Look it up. Looking at the games tonight. Nebraska plays Indiana, who's number 14. Number five, UConn on the road at Florida. That is an interesting game. UConn, one of those undefeated teams. Number five in the country. Michigan State has lost two in a row. And then before that, they had a loss to Alabama like weeks ago and a loss to Gonzaga even two weeks before that. Swore they lost four in a row. No, they beat Oregon and Portland and then lost to Notre Dame and then lost to Northwestern. They're back in action tonight against Penn State. They play, they play a second Big Ten game before most teams. That's so dumb. Like weeks before the second one for but everybody But the Big else. Ten does that. I don't understand why they play conference games early December, even late November sometimes, but uh, whatever. Look, it's a good win for Northwestern. I'm just saying Michigan State, they've, they've – sl- oh, I'm thinking of North Carolina, dude. I'm thinking of North Carolina. I had Those are drastically different. Teams. I know. Believe me. I know. They are completely different. North Carolina has lost four in a row, and they has went Louisville, from... Has Louisville won a game yet? As far as I know, no. Louisville's 0-8. Gosh, man. 0-8. Oh and, oh and, and they... They've got to so be back bad. in action soon, right? They played... Did they play yesterday, or they did play they play... F- Friday, maybe? Game of the year in the ACC on Saturday. Oh, God. 0-8 Louisville versus 1-9 FSU. Wow. (laughs) That is wild. Who would have thought? that? Look, those are two, like pretty good programs those are two <laughs> solid programs i mean we, there was not a lot of hype around those two coming into the year but who would have thought that coming into uh december 7th their matchup they would have a combined one win i mean that is insane to me uh basketball there's been some upsets this year man and watch out for number five uconn on the road at florida tonight could be an interesting one of course auburn doesn't play until saturday uh, they play memphis over in atlanta so looking forward to that but uh auburn has a nice little break they're gonna have what it's a week off in between games right they played last friday and now they're gonna play on saturday so a nice break for auburn before they go and play memphis in atlanta yeah no i mean it'll be i'm excited about this game saturday the 4 p.m tiff it's a little uh later than i was expecting for some reason i thought auburn would be the early like uh like like, like a noonish kick yeah uh, or a tip yeah, <laughs> there you kick. go i'm yeah. so i'm so in football mode right uh that's a game that Auburn, I just feel like, has to win. Got to win. Like, I feel like you got to you gotta win it because yep. it helps you build that momentum. You're about to go on your road trip here in about a week after mm-hmm. that to Washington and USC. You get Georgia State before that. This is this is where the 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 temperature on the schedule gets turned up a notch for yep. for Auburn. Yep. Well, we're just about out of time, but before we get out of here, Mackenzie, our wonderful intern who has been here all fall, uh, she runs our board, she answers our phones, she does our social media. Uh, she has been fantastic, and so just want to shout her out. Thank you so much. You've been fantastic helping us out. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun been having you around. You'll be helping us out some uh, here and there, but did want to say thank you. So we appreciate you and all that, that you've done uh, for us here on on the line and espn 1067 you've done fantastic work so thank you so much we appreciate you uh, we've got jenny who will be joining us at the beginning of the year so looking forward to that but did want to say uh thank you to our wonderful intern mckenzie who has done so much good work uh for espn and auburn network so thank you to her but we're out of time that's it we've got two more days in the week uh if you just really want to hear me some more Tune into Auburn Opelika this morning on News Talk WANI from 6 to 9. I'm doing that all week for Ben. It's a long week of radio, folks, but we are getting through it one day at a time. Enjoy your Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 1067. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.